0: Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
1: It was a big week for education policy proposals, including a long-awaited full-day kindergarten pitch. But which of those bills will make it through the legislative gauntlet? I'm Melissa Davlin. Idaho Reports starts now. Hello, and welcome to Idaho Reports. This week, Representative Wendy Horman and Senator Janie Ward Engelking discussed school choice full-day kindergarten and other education policy and funding issues in front of the legislature this year. Kevin Richard of Idaho Education News joins us on the panel to give us a rundown of a whirlwind week at the State House. But first, on Tuesday, the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare deactivated crisis standards of care for hospitals in three of Idaho's seven public health districts. The department had activated crisis standards of care in those districts on January 15th due to a shortage of healthcare workers and blood supply. In legislative news on Wednesday, the House Health and Welfare Committee narrowly endorsed a bill to guarantee in-person visitation at assisted living and nursing facilities. That proposal was in response to public health orders at the beginning of the pandemic, that among other things, limited in-person visitation at those facilities. Lawmakers on both sides of the debate shared emotional stories about loved ones who needed care over the course of the pandemic.
0: I
2: lost my mother and- December. Uh, She was in the ICU for three weeks um, and they had a policy that only one person per day could come in. And so a lot of our month, a lot of our biggest source of anguish was actually struggling to figure out how to navigate that policy and how to make sure that I and my husband and all of my kids could get in. Uh, But the staff was extremely compassionate I'm sorry, i shouldn't have sprayed it on us that's, that's all too right. fresh no. but the staff was very compassionate they were not trying to torture anybody they were trying to accommodate as best they could they were trying to balance the needs of our family with the health concerns of the entire ward and of my mother
1: twice this has happened with my mother where she is twice I absolutely think there needs to be some sort of protection for the individuals that live in these facilities, because there is none now. When you drill down to this legislation, it really does two things. One, it makes sure that you're allowed in person with your loved ones. And two, it doesn't hold loved ones to a higher standard than it does the people who are working in the facility. The committee voted 6-5 to send that bill to the House floor on thursday representative greg cheney pitched a bill that would offer confidentiality to any provider or company that supplies the state with the chemicals used in executions the bill would exempt the names of any company supplying drugs used in lethal injection from public records requests
2: the problem is that currently our ability to carry out the sentence that has been imposed, is impaired. And it's impaired by an inability to procure the lethal injection drugs without protections provided to the identity of of those who provide them. If this bill doesn't go through, then we're going to have to come back next year and
3: support the return of firing squads. Um, Less complicated. And you may have different opinions on that in this room. But as a former prosecutor who's, who's met the met one murderer face to face alone after the murder and, one, and seen the victims, uh, I re- those are flooding back to me. I strongly support this legislation brought by our chairman. We have always classified certain kinds of actions uh, because of the nature of those actions. And we have never accepted the idea that the public has the right to know every detail of what our government does. I trust the government to take out my trash. Uh, I don't trust them to um, kill people um, in uh, secret processes. And um, I'm very uncomfortable with this idea. Um, When I read the article that Representative Nate was talking about. I have probably never been more embarrassed to be an Idahoan when I find out how our government um, handled the last execution.
1: That bill made it out of the House Judiciary Rules and Administration Committee in a nine to five vote and now goes to the House floor. We have more online. You'll find the link to our online coverage at IdahoPTV.org slash Idaho Reports. Over the last few weeks, we've told you about frustration from some lawmakers about committee chairs declining to hear their bills. On Wednesday, that frustration boiled over once again with another attempt to pull onto the floor a bill to repeal the sales tax on groceries.
0: I
3: cannot believe that this is where we are in terms of the House of Representatives trying to represent the will of the people. We all knew coming into this legislative session There were important issues facing Idahoans. They've been letting us know for over a year. They're concerned about things like property taxes. They're concerned about things like medical freedom, election integrity, and yes, grocery tax repeal. This is one of those high on the list that Idahoans want to have dealt with for them.
1: That attempt failed with the House voting 49-16 to keep the bill in committee. Also this week, Senate State Affairs moved forward an anti-abortion bill that would allow a woman's family members to sue an abortion provider without the woman's permission. That legislation would allow the family members of the fetus to sue a provider for damages of at least $20,000 if they provide an unlawful abortion.
3: This new private enforcement mechanism is modeled after the Texas Heartbeat Law, which has successfully withstood three legal challenges at the US Supreme Court. Most notably, the US Supreme Court dismissed a lawsuit filed against Texas state officials challenging the constitutionality of their law, and that's really good news for us here in Idaho since that means it would be really, really hard to challenge this legislation if it were to become law. The thing that cannot be corrected is the
2: determination of the supporters of this legislation to make abortion in Idaho at least after six weeks impossible notwithstanding today's current viability of Roe versus Wade. And I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. That's like having a law enforcement officer try to enforce in june of this year a statute that we pass that takes effect on july 1st it's unconstitutional on its face we are going to if this passes this legislature will be passing a bill that is unconstitutional on its face
1: it now heads to the senate floor for a full vote on thursday the house passed legislation that would prohibit taxing districts from running a repeat bond request within 11 months of a failed bond election This
2: bill is to protect citizens from aggressive taxing districts. It doesn't single out any particular district, um, only districts that
1: refuse to hear the voice of the people. The problem is we just
0: can't get meaningful discussions on how to fund our schools. What if we have an old building, a dilapidated one, or we need to build one because of growth? Bonds are the only tool that we have to solve that problem.
2: I served as the chairman of a long-range planning committee when we built the school in Filer, And we had a good consortium of people, uh, input. We thought we had a good idea. uh, But it wasn't quite right yet. And when when we went to the people, uh, they voted yes but then we needed a little supplemental and we had to go back and ask again. And people don't always tell you what they think when you ask them, but they will with a ballot.
1: I've seen this happen in uh, my district where bonds are continually ran and, uh, and people get, they get voter fatigue. And then when they do it during the summertime when there's hardly anyone around, then uh, that, that seems to be when they, when they will pass. Um, at least in my district. So I think this is good for taxpayers. I think it does cause uh, reflection on, on what's uh, crucial and important and what's necessary. Um, I think it'll save money, and hopefully that uh, trickles down to our, our taxpayers on their property taxes. So hopefully this will be a, uh, a roundabout way on, on property tax savings. That bill passed the House on Thursday. Joining me to discuss that and other education-related issues are Representative Wendy Horman, Senator Janie Ward-Engelking, and Kevin Richard of Idaho Education News. Representative Horman, I wanna start with you. You supported that legislation on the House floor. Why?
2: I did, I served, before I came to the legislature, i have been here 10 years, Uh, I served on a school board for 11 years. Uh, The Bonneville School District was in a rapid period of growth and we passed several bonds during my time on the board. Uh, they all passed the first time. We felt like we went out and did the homework, and this included uh, during the Great Recession. We went out and did the homework of making sure we knew where our community was. And my vote was a way to encourage school boards to make sure that they do that homework in advance. So they, they arrive at a consensus bill. I had an aunt uh, lose her home during the last two years due to property taxes. And she wanted to support the schools, but uh, eventually she just couldn't. She had to sell her home and move into an apartment. And so I think those on fixed income struggle and I want to make sure their voices are heard in the process. So I think it will encourage uh, aggressive taxing districts of all sorts to um, make sure they're checking in with the citizens before they try and run something that perhaps too many in their community cannot afford.
1: If there's an over-reliance on these local bonds and levies for funding school operations and facilities, is that an argument for putting more state money or federal money into the schools?
2: I think that's exactly what you're seeing this year. In fact, uh, over $300 million, the schools have received 440 of just ARPA funding, and so that's why I introduced my supplemental levy bill, which just uh, asks that school districts disclose what they're levying for and then the amount that they're levying for so that that as the state picks up these additional expenses at the state level, such as health insurance and possibly kindergarten, literacy, we'll see how that looks, um, that taxpayers aren't also paying for it at the local level.
1: Senator, I'm I'm curious where you are on that 11-month waiting period. If districts have a failed bond, why should they be immediately able to bring that to voters again?
0: Well, I think it's important to know that we have the most restrictive um, bond uh, passing uh, restrictions. It takes two thirds of our people to pass a bond and our surrounding states are mostly 50% plus one. Uh, Washington is 60%, but we do have the most restrictive in the country. And I think right now, uh, we're seeing skyrocketing property taxes And so the reality is um, we do have to um, rely, unfortunately, on bonds. I don't think that's the way it should be. It should be done at the state level and then we wouldn't have uh, districts that can pass bonds and levies and districts that can't. We've created a have and a have not system that is really not good. But as far as the 11 month uh, bill has not come to the Senate yet, but I'm in, probably would be um, not in favor of it because I think sometimes if a vote's very close and if it's over 50% of the people saying yes we need this, then I would like them to have a chance to bring it back to the people, do a little bit more education, make sure people know because we're, we're growing rapidly and we need new schools in Idaho and unfortunately the only way to get that done is through a bond. And as far as the levies, um, that is a 50% plus one. So I don't worry too much about that. But the bonds are very difficult, and they might have to have a second run at it.
3: But I'm going to be very curious to see what happens with supplemental levies next month. Historically, March is the big election date for school districts to run supplemental levies. And as Senator Ward Engelking said, these require only a simple majority. They wouldn't be covered by the bill that uh, just passed the House on Thursday that only applies to bond issues. But I'll really be curious to see what happens with supplemental levies. In the middle of the session where there's been so much talk about property taxes, in the middle of a time where a lot of Idahoans are concerned about inflation, what happens at the polls?
0: And another thing I guess that we probably need to think about is there was just an OPE study done for the legislature and the Office
1: of Performance Evaluation. Yeah, uh,
0: yes, Office of Performance Evaluation. And in that study, it said that about seventy percent of our traditional public schools are fair or poor. They it would take eight hundred and seventy-nine million dollars just to bring them up to a status of good, and that should be concerning to all of us. There, our schools are aging. And it's more difficult now to pass a bond. So, we really do have to look at some other ways of funding schools in our state. You know, I,
1: I'm curious, we've, we've talked so much about raising teacher pay and putting more money into schools over the last few years. What about student outcomes? Are there any policy proposals that aren't necessarily tied to money and putting more money into schools that are? aimed at improving those literacy rates, improving those graduation and go on rates?
2: You know, I just read a book last month called Essentialism, and there was a quote in that, that we do not rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our systems. And so we have set very aspirational goals, 60%, you know, with a credential or a degree, but if we don't have the systems in place to achieve those goals, then we fall to the level of our systems. And so we do have some systems in the state that I do think uh, need improved. One of, one of those is the K-12 funding formula. No surprise to anyone here uh, that that's a concern of mine. There are some tremendous inequities in that. And uh, a lot of them are related to property wealth uh... The more property wealthy districts get more funding under the current formula and that's a struggle for me uh, you and i did try to change that when i couldn't i moved to a, a different form to give that money directly to parents and uh... and that bill also came out of house education unanimously this week empowering parents um, but i do think there are some systems we need to change so we can get away from talking about how much money to how are we using the money
0: And I actually uh, agree with Representative Foreman. Our our funding formula needs work, and we know that. And we we made an effort, and it's probably time to go back and try again, because sometimes uh, change is slow in the legislature, and and we may have to just uh, keep plugging away on that, but we know we need to move from average daily attendance to enrollment, and there's certainly some inequities uh, you know, at-risk children need more funding to, to go towards helping them get up to speed and, and caught up to where we want them to be. And and so that's not new and we know that and we worked hard and we'll probably need to go back and do some more work and try to get that through.
1: But if the system isn't working for some of those at-risk students, is more money at the system the solution or should that money be going toward the family so they can put them in a school or an environment, that? fits them and their goals better?
0: Well, certainly school choice is important, and I support school choice, but when you're 51st in the nation in funding, I think funding does matter, money does matter, and we know that more resources need to be put in place for those students that are at risk, and I think, I'm certainly fine with sending some of those resources to parents but the reality is a lot of our parents we have both parents working and in order for them to um, they it's sending their money isn't necessarily going to fix the problem we need to make sure those resources are in place where they can access the um, the type of education they need and and whether that's at home we parents always have that choice and they should but uh, we need to also make sure we've allowed that option where it's available to everybody.
3: Well, and I think one of the things that will be interesting to see down the road, if the empowering parents grants passes the legislature and gets signed into law, which I think is a pretty good likelihood, there is a requirement for some reporting afterwards, uh, some you know, metrics uh, looking at well, what is this done? What where did the money go? And did it really help student performance? Wh- which I think is you know that's ultimately the, the question that needs to be answered. 50 million dollars later
2: and
0: it, it did pass the senate and it's headed there i assume it'll go through the house
2: yeah uh, w- uh, one of the things i would just point out i think all of our definition of the word school has changed in the last two years uh, and on march thirteenth, 2020 there was a celebration on the steps of the capitol with the first lady and and many of the women of the legislature honoring the uh, passage of the 19th Amendment granting women the right to vote, and a senior from Boise High School spoke there. And she said, she had had an experiential learning trip, and she said, my definition of school changed from a noun to a verb, because it wasn't a place, it was an experience. And within days, our schools were no longer, a school as a noun meant uh, an empty building school as a verb, meant learn anywhere you could. And so we've all experienced that in the last several years. And honestly, the idea for uh, giving money to uh, families who need to choose a different alternative than their public schools, uh, in, in part came from watching the struggles you were having in dealing with your uh, children and, and how to keep them safe and keep your family safe. And I, I thought, well, why can't we give extra money to families of public school students too? And so that became the genesis then of additional legislation: strong families, strong students. The governor, uh, tremendous leadership in that space of supporting families during that time. And now we do have empowering parents, which I agree should come off the house floor with strong support.
1: And I just, you know, need to make clear as, as much as my family had a hard time during the pandemic. So many other families had it worse because we could still work from home. We had the flexibility to, you know, let my oldest distance learn and everything. And, you know, obviously taking no position on any policy statements as a reporter, just having that platform and knowing that so many other people didn't.
2: Senator, Lori dunhart also my partner on, on this um, along with uh, the Governor and his leadership this year, had some families in her area that same struggles and they ended up creating a micro school or a, a pandemic pod as we mm-hmm. called them. And so she has been a tremendous partner in this space as well. Well, I would
0: just say if the pandemic taught us anything, it's how important our schools are and that in-person learning and that one-on-one contact. We know that, we've always known it, but I think now uh, it's even more imperative that we make sure that we have things in place so that children don't feel isolated and they don't feel like they they don't
2: have the friends and, and the contacts that they need. That was huge. tremendous learning from COVID as well for me that we need to make the system work for individuals and not the other way around.
1: You know, and speaking of massive proposals that we might be seeing this year, uh, full day kindergarten got its first introductory hearing this past week in Senate education. Uh, let's talk about this proposal. You, you sit on that committee. I do. And I do. It, can you can you tell us what the bill is and what might be different than just a, um, previous know, proposals we've seen?
0: I I think it's a really good bill and I I think we've got very good support. I you know been talking to a lot of people and I know we have support from farm bureau and food producers and and all the stakeholders and so it's and certainly parents. The thing that's different about it is we did carve out a little piece that said you know it. Of course, it's still optional, it's not mandatory, and we carved out something that says, you know, that parents, if they choose not to, that will make sure that the materials and things that they need are available. Also, that if this is fully funded, full-day kindergarten from the state, then if you have a levy that has been passed to do that in your district, then we want that money to go away or that levy to go away. We want to make sure that if this money comes from the state, then we can give some property tax relief for those communities that have funded it on their own. So those two things are in the bill, but it's still optional and... Optional
1: uh, for families, but not for the districts.
0: It would be optional for the families, but um, the full day kindergarten can have a lot of different looks. And so we're not mandating how this would look in every district. Kevin,
1: what's your sense on this bill's
0: chances?
3: Short exchange during the State Board of Education meeting on Thursday, but I thought it was a telling exchange. Uh, The State Board went through a bunch of bills and decided whether they wanted to take a position one way or the other on a variety of education bills. Took no position on the all-day kindergarten bill. And part of the reason is the approach in that bill is a little bit different than the governor's approach, which would be put money into the literacy program, allow school districts and charters to maybe go to all day kindergarten or maybe do something else. So the state board backed away, even though the state board is on record supporting an all day kindergarten bill, much like the bill that was introduced in in the Senate. And I think it gives you a glimpse into the politics. It gives you a glimpse into the sense that the governor's office and legislators are still trying to figure out a path forward. The money is there one way or the other. This really isn't an issue of finding 40, 45, 47 million dollars, it's there. But the question is, how do you frame this? How do you structure it? So I think there's still work going on, clearly.
0: And I I think the problem with putting it just as literacy money, which I applaud the governor for doing that, is that you will have some districts that provide full-day kindergarten, for their children and parents can take advantage of that and then you'll have some districts that still don't have it. And we are really, our mandate from the Idaho Constitution is to have a uniform thorough uh, public free education and when we don't provide the same opportunities, I, I think that's uh, may get us into some constitutional trouble.
1: What's your view from the House side? Is this the year for full day kindergarten?
2: I, uh- I will wait and see what comes from the Policy Committee and make my vote on JFAC and, and go from there. But I pulled out a 1800s dictionary uh, last month to see what uniform meant at the time the Constitution was written of, of the same form. And so my interpretation of that is uniform opportunities, but they might not look the same. It might not mean in a building. What if it meant that parent could do a half day and take some of that money and do literacy programs or. Uh, enrichment programs for their child. So uniform uh, I I think I have a different view of uniform these days. I think well I think that can still work and
0: I think that's the beauty of having it optional because and allowing in the bill it says you can have access to the resources so we can you know certainly do that I think and I you're right I think some parents will choose that option.
1: We have about a minute and a half left. I wanted to touch on teacher retention for public education. It's something that we've heard concerns about for several years. What might we see from the budget committee this year when it comes to teacher pay?
2: I think we've already seen a tremendous investment toward retention with the $75 million going toward health insurance and with another $105 million proposed, another $1,000 bonuses, one year of career ladder plus another year of career ladder equaling about 10% just in salary plus the bonus. So I think you're going to see huge investments in teacher salary and uh, retention and recruitment.
0: And I think we're also gonna see some a bump for classified and, and hopefully a bonus for them also because our classified staff is very important to us. And we're also working on a bill uh, to do loan forgiveness for teachers and, and incentives for additional endorsements or educational experiences. So I think we're seeing some headway in that area.
3: And really important to remember about the uh, school employee insurance plan It's not just teachers we're talking about, it's also the classified employees. It's the school bus drivers, it's the cafeteria workers in school districts and charters having a really hard time retaining those employees as they look at other opportunities elsewhere in their communities.
1: Very briefly, are we going to see a similar investment when it comes to higher ed employees?
2: I think that remains to be seen, but we're working on it diligently. Uh, We're trying to get to uh, one proposal for the House, so that we can maybe skip some of the drama that we've had in the past, but that remains to be seen. We'll keep an eye on that. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. We're gonna have to leave
1: it there. Representative Wendy Horman, Senator Janie Ward-Engelking, Kevin Richard of Idaho Education News. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you here next week.